Hello, hello. You're listening to Andy's Book Club. If you're new here, welcome. This is the show where we go over an exciting book chapter by chapter on a weekly schedule. Every week, I provide a recap of the chapter we're covering, and I add my commentary as we go along. If something requires more explanation, I might reserve some time at the end of the show and discuss it in more detail. So, whether you're studying for a test, writing an essay, or like me, you're just super passionate about reading, this show is perfect for you. As a reminder, this show is available on YouTube, Spotify, and a whole bunch of other platforms. So, if you're watching this on YouTube, the links for all those other platforms are down below in the description. Or if you prefer, you can simply just search for Andy's Book Club directly on your favorite platform. But wherever you might be listening from, if you like the show, be sure to follow and subscribe. This show also has a Twitter page, so if I need to post visuals, I will do so on Twitter. So be sure to follow me there. This week, we're continuing with our coverage of the reign of Jaehaerys. So after some time, Jaehaerys had finally decided that it was time to return to King's Landing. Jaehaerys returned flying alone on the back of his dragon Vermithor. He dared not let his wife Alizanne come with him, since he knew that the circumstances surrounding their marriage was still very controversial, and he did not want to put her in any potential danger. Upon arriving at King's Landing, Jaehaerys did not land at once, but he circled the city three times on the back of his dragon. He wanted to give the people an opportunity to marvel at the great bronze dragon that is Vermithor, and of course remind them of who's really in charge around here. King Jaehaerys landed in the courtyard of Magor's Holdfast and was greeted by Grand Maester Benefer, who feared what fate awaited him. Recall that Grand Maester Benefer had been one of the most vocal opponents of Jaehaerys's decision to marry Alizanne. So much so that he berated Jaehaerys that day on Dragonstone, to which Jaehaerys took great offense. Now Jaehaerys was back with Aegon the Conqueror's Valyrian steel sword Blackfire strapped to his belt. So the sight of that must have scared the bejesus out of Benefer. But to the relief of Benefer, it appeared that Jaehaerys did not hold a grudge. He simply smiled and stated to the other lords that had gathered already to greet him、uh, that they had work to do. The first order of business was making decisions as to who would retain their government positions in the king's court and who would be dismissed. Jaehaerys retained some, but also dismissed others. Most notably, Daemon Valerion, brother of Jaehaerys's mother Alyssa, so Jaehaerys's uncle,、uh, was retained as hand of the king. Lord Edwell Celtigar was dismissed as Master of Coin, along with many of his tax policies, to which Jaehaerys immediately repealed upon his dismissal. This was to the relief of many, since Celtigar's taxes had long been seen as unfair. To replace Celtigar, the Master of Coin position was given to Rigo Draz, a merchant from Pentos,、uh, who had risen up to become the richest man in Pentos. Still, this decision would prove to be mildly controversial, since recall in previous episodes I mentioned that the Westerosi disliked foreigners. However, this xenophobia did not apply to Jaehaerys, who gave Rigo Draz a lordship. Draz did not possess any castles or land, which is typically was needed for a lordship.、Uh, so people began calling Draz the Lord of Air, as in he was a lord in name only, but in reality he was the Lord of Nothing. Uh, lastly, Jaehaerys sent a letter to Storm's End, summoning Lord Rogar back to King's Landing. 
When Rogar received this letter, it was unclear to him what he should do next. Recall that the relationship between the king and the former Hand of the King is ice cold to say the least. Rogar had tried multiple times to undermine Jaehaerys and plotted against him to replace Jaehaerys with his niece, Princess Arya, instead. Uh, so Rogar knew that his trip to King's Landing would most likely be a one-way trip. If Jaehaerys wanted to, he could charge him with any number of crimes and all of them would end up with his execution. Uh, so Rogar's brothers advise him to refuse the order and instead arm storms and in preparation for a rebellion. This idea was laughable to Rogar, who shot down the idea immediately. Storm's End's walls might have been strong, but so was Harrenhal's. In the Age of Dragons, there was no resisting the Targaryens. Rogar decided to obey the order to go to King's Landing, hoping that Jaehaerys would at least give him the option to take the Black and join the Night's Watch. Upon arriving at King's Landing, Jaehaerys, on the Iron Throne, received Rogar in the throne room. Rogar, known as a man with great pride, humbled himself by bending the knee in front of Jaehaerys and began to defend himself. For all he did was for the good of the realm, he stated. Jaehaerys, surprising Rogar, agreed with him. Jaehaerys thanked Rogar for his years of service and being there for him when he launched his campaign against Magor. Recall that it was Rogar who played the most pivotal role in Jaehaerys' ascension to the throne initially. Rogar could have chosen to put him and his sister Alizan in chains and deliver them both to Magor if he so chose, but instead he chose to hail Jaehaerys as the new king. And according to Jaehaerys, although Rogar spoke of treason, he committed none. So this statement was being somewhat generous. It was clear that Rogar had not only just spoken of treason, but did in fact also actively plot against Jaehaerys. Uh, so Jaehaerys was not dumb, he knew this, uh, but he was signaling that he was willing to let it go. Uh, to Rogar's shock, Jaehaerys then pardoned him for all his crimes, on the condition that he never speak ill of Jaehaerys or his queen Alizan ever again. This gave an opportunity for Rogar to rekindle his relationship with his wife Alyssa, whom he had become estranged, ever since their argument which caused Alyssa to dismiss him as the Hand of the King. But all of that was water under the bridge now, and in the feast that followed the day that Jaehaerys gave Rogar clemency, Rogar would raise a toast to the new Queen Alessandre, signaling that he had by now fully accepted her as the new queen. Afterwards, Rogar and Queen Dowager Alyssa would both return to Storm's End together as man and wife again. As with Rogar's brother, Orin, Jaehaerys stated that he could not go unpunished for his crimes of plotting with Rogar against him, so Jaehaerys sentenced Rogar to 10 years in exile. Orin never did return to Westeros. He spent the first bit of his exile in Tyrosh, where he married the daughter of the Archon of Tyrosh, the very girl that Rogar had suggested Jaehaerys marry years ago. Together, Orin and his new wife had a daughter. However, after the term of the Archon had ended and another ruler took over Tyrosh, Orin and his family was forced to leave for Myr, where he joined a mercenary company called the Maiden's Men. It was then reported that he was killed in a battle in the disputed lands of Essos some time later. His wife and daughter were also never heard from again. But anyways, that was the fate of Orin Baratheon. But all this played out over years and years, and in the meantime, back on Westeros, 
The matter at hand for Jaehaerys was now the issue of raising money. To this end, the new master of coin, Rigo Draz, raised three substantial loans from the Iron Bank of Bravos and their rival banks in Tyros and Mir, and these loans quenched the crown's current need for funds. Uh, but this was not a long-term solution, as Jaehaerys knew. Draz had to figure out a way to raise more money for the long term and come up with a more sustainable solution. So the previous taxes that were under Lord Celtigar had caused problems with stifling trade and economic growth since they were mostly focused on taxes such as port fees. But Draz decided to implement taxes on luxury items instead, such as silks and wines imported from Dorne. Most of all, taxes would be levied on spices such as peppercorn and cloves, which were already worth more than their weight in gold. Uh, so these taxes would make Rigo Draz rather unpopular, to say the least, but for now, they worked on solving Jaehaerys' money problems. At long last, Jaehaerys decided that now was the time to officially present the new queen, Alizan, to the realm, uh, and to no longer keep their marriage a secret. So he sent for her to join him at King's Landing. On the topic of presenting his new queen to Westeros, Jaehaerys remained apprehensive. He had done all he could to outlaw those who would take up arms against him for his incestuous marriage and tried his best to appease those who knew would disapprove. Uh, still though, if history was any judge, it may still be messy. To prevent another faith rebellion situation, Jaehaerys assembled a group of seven preachers who were on his side. Their mission would be to go all over the realm and basically spread propaganda about how good their new queen Alizan was, and also put a spin on it from the perspective of the faith. One of the preachers was none other than the former queen Eleanor of House Castain, who we recall was one of the black brides that Magor had forced to marry him, and after the death of Magor, Eleanor had joined the faith and sworn to give up all claims to nobility. And it was Jaehaerys, with the help of his seven scholars of the faith, no doubt, uh, that he came up with this idea that would serve as a cornerstone for how the faith viewed the Targaryens from this point forward. Uh, this idea was called the Doctrine of Exceptionalism. Uh, you see, the faith of the seven originally came from the Andals. The Andals were a people group from the old civilization of Andalus. Uh, this was thousands and thousands of years ago, by the way. Uh, so the Andals wrote the laws that forbade things like incest and polygamy. But the Targaryens did not originate from Andalus like most of the people in Westeros now. The Targaryens were descendants from Old Valeria. So the seven preachers of Jaehaerys argued that they should not be treated the same as the descendants of the Andals. And the reason for this different treatment, the preachers argued, was self-evident. The Targaryens had silver hair, they had purple eyes, and they flew around on dragons. They did not look or act like the typical Westerosi person. And so the preachers argued that the rules that govern marriage, like the no incest rule, did not apply to the Targaryens since it was normal and commonly practiced for people of Old Valeria to marry within the family. When one of the preachers, Septon Baldric, presented this idea in front of a village of common folk, a random hedge knight shouted at Baldric, asking if it meant that it would be okay for him to have sex with his own sister. To which Baldric replied, it would be okay 
if he can first claim his own dragon. So the moment of truth has now arrived to see if the realm would rise up when Jaehaerys announces marriage, and to everyone's relief, there was no coordinated effort of rebellion. Sure, there were still some here and there that complained and made their displeasure known, but all in all, there wasn't anywhere close to the pushback that was received when Jaehaerys' older siblings, Aegon the Uncrowned and Reyna, announced their marriage. Historians have debated throughout the centuries why this was the case, but I think it's pretty clear that the main reason was that Jaehaerys' idea of the doctrine of exceptionalism had been convincing to most people. In any case, that's another huge hurdle out of the way for Jaehaerys. The realm seemed to accept Alisanne as the new queen without anyone having to go to war for it. On the topic of Jaehaerys' sister Reyna, she had decided to leave Casterly Rock after it became clear that although Lord Lyman Lannister and his lady wife Jocasta had been kind to her, it was clear that Lord Lannister wanted to keep Reyna around for political purposes and not solely out of the kindness of his own heart. So Reyna, having traveled around Westeros, bounced from place to place where she would sometimes feel welcome, but more often than not, everyone wanted to either marry her themselves or find a son or nephew or something to marry her, uh, since she was, after all, the eldest living grandchild of Aegon the Conqueror, so whoever married her would skyrocket up in the Westerosi social ladder. Finally, Reyna asked her brother the king if she could have Dragonstone as her seat. The king's council unanimously opposed this idea, but Jaehaerys overruled them, granting Reyna Dragonstone, on the condition that she would bend the knee to him and accept him as her king. The further condition was that she would only be a queen by courtesy of the Iron Throne, uh, but she would not be the ruler of her own kingdom. Although it seems like Jaehaerys had a decent relationship with his sister Reyna, he was careful to absolutely make sure that there would be no civil war. On these conditions, Reyna accepted. She had long been known as the Queen of the West, having lived on Fair Isle and Casterly Rock, which are both on the westernmost coast of Westeros, uh, and now she was back on Dragonstone, on the easternmost point of Westeros. So the Queen of the West became the Queen of the East. Now with all these issues addressed, perhaps it was finally a time where Jaehaerys could take a breath. It was later on in the year 51 AC that Queen Alizan announced that she was pregnant. Recall that the issue of succession was the primary problem that Magor encountered uh, during his time as king, so we'll have to wait to see if this will be an issue for Jaehaerys as well. Okay, that's it for this week. Next week, we're starting to get into the middle part of Jaehaerys' reign, and you'll notice that we're spending a lot of time on the reign of Jaehaerys, and this is for good reason, since he's one of the most influential kings of the entire Targaryen dynasty. Uh, so we have lots to talk about still, and I'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening.